The nobles, said Arbogado, in his toneless voice. Man knows almost nothing of them, as they can stop their hearts at will, and so are never captured alive. We can only be sure that they are stately, regal creatures, fifteen feet high, who walk always with grace and dignity, proud, sensitive, steeped in tradition. That is the impression one gains of them. But it's hard to understand how such remote, godlike beings, whose lives should be devoted to beauty, remain continually preoccupied with death. But then standards vary, and what earthman can say what is truly beautiful, what is truly ugly? Perhaps the nobles evoke strange and somber rhythms from human diaphragms, play great symphonies of attenuated delight upon the nerves of living creatures. Whatever else Abrogado had to say was submerged in a great flood of sound. Outside a hundred thousand ostrich-like creatures were racing madly through the night, their thick legs drumming against the desert sands. The cave was filled with the echoing thunder of their passing. If it hadn't been for them, I would have flung myself out of the cave to avoid sharing for another moment the company of the mad prospector. But nothing could stand before the impact of that terrible explosive migration, which had mystified zoologists for so many years. Actually, I was being needlessly alarmed. After all, I was armed. What did I have to fear from a moonstruck old man? Nevertheless, I had an uneasy picture of him standing near, waiting for the turmoil to subside, his face gaunt and shadowed by a heavy beard. For once I wished I had the noble's ability to see in the dark. Minutes passed while the drumming drained slowly away. I'm glad that's over, said Abrogado. I have some questions to ask you. I have been isolated in the desert for many months. You are the first human I have seen for a long while. Go ahead, I said absently. I was wondering just how the missing prospectors had been trapped. I pictured nobles crouching in a cave, waiting for one of the poor devils to enter. But that wasn't likely. Their bodies were formed of large cartilage-like sections, which were too rigid to permit them to crouch or kneel. Physiologically, they had but two choices. To draw themselves up to their full height of fifteen feet, or to lie flat upon the ground. In reply to Abrogado's questions, I chatted lightly about the new shops and homes and the population figures as shown in the latest census of Marsport. Abrogado asked, Have you seen the new interstellar ship? The stellar missile? I nodded. Yes, I've seen it. They're still putting the finishing touches on it, painting, insulating, and so on. The existence of the great ship, long under secret construction, had just been revealed to the populaces of the inner worlds. It was being constructed on Mars as it would be easier to lift from the red planet than from Earth. The nose of the stellar missile was pointed outward in the general but specifically unknown direction of the home planet of the nobles. What star is it investigating first? asked Abrogado. Oh, a very likely star, I said, considering the evidence. Sirius. 
So it is Mira, mused the other. I know little of astronomy, but it doesn't seem a likely star to me. I touched the open face of my watch, feeling the hands. I knew that in a few minutes it would be not dawn, but daylight. Because of a slight atmospheric envelope, there is no true twilight or dawn on Mars. The sun just suddenly waxes into brightness in about the same length of time as it takes to glow in the television tube to wane into darkness. And so in a few minutes I would see my companion for the first time.